Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Lee. Hello. And our special guest, Andy. Hello. And today you're joining us for our second ever film fiasco. About time. Yeah, titled The Last Men on Earth. Yeah. Because I'm assuming that by this point in 2012, we're probably the last three people alive. In 2012. Did I say 2012? Yeah, I said 2012. Well, I nailed the intro. You can give me the year. 2020. <laughs> 2012 was supposed to be when the world ended. Oh, that's right. And it didn't. Because of that movie, 2012. Well, we're not talking For about starters. that right now. <laughs> no. What we're doing today is we're talking about three interpretations of the same book in movie form. Mm-hmm. First, a little bit of housekeeping, like I always do, just up front, get it out of the way. If you want to help us out, best thing you can do is tell a friend to listen to the podcast. <clears throat> you can subscribe if you aren't already and leave us a review. That would be super handy. We love reading those and hearing how we can do better or how great we are already. <laughs> <laughs> right? Who doesn't love that? Yeah, right. If you want to follow us on social medias at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we got a website, thisdisasterpod.com. We make some callbacks, probably not so much in this episode, but if you want the full box set experience, <laughs> recommend going back to episode one and making sure that you get all the little callbacks that we do. Yeah. Not inside jokes. We don't like leaving people out, but if you want the full experience, check those out. Binge it. So I think we're just going to dive right in. And a good place to start, I think, is probably talking about the book that started it all. What's the book? Well, Andy, you want to tell us about that? Throw it over to Andy. Throw it over to Andy. Andy, Andy, tell us about the book, Andy. Okay. Well, the book is I Am Legend, which we'll find out later is also the title of the third of the adaptations. Indeed. Mm. Indeed it Um, is. But the book was published, uh, came out in 1954. Mm -hmm. Written by Richard Matheson, an American writer. Okay. He was uh, mostly doing sci-fi and horror and that kind of thing. But right. uh, some of his other books include Hell House, which okay. was turned into a movie, I think, in the 60s oh. or the 70s. The Stir Legend of Echoes. Of Hell House? Uh, yes. It's a great movie. Yeah. Huh. And uh, with Roddy McDowell, I believe, in that yeah. movie. Yeah. And uh, he also wrote What Dreams May Come, which ended up being a Robin Williams movie in like the... Right. I want to say late 90s or early 2000s. Okay, I was thinking it can't be that one. (laughs) It is that one. one. Okay, cool. Uh, He also did some writing for television, which was very common at that time to kind of be in different media. So he wrote for some episodes of Twilight Zone and Star Trek, for example. Right. So in the book, I Am Legend, the main character's name is Robert Neville. Yep. He's a sole survivor of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. His daughter and wife were killed by the disease, we find out. And uh, he realizes he's the last man alive. Sure. And the remaining population seem to be seem to be essentially vampires in the very traditional trope of right. a vampire. They're garlic and sunlight. Yeah, um, yeah. Turn them off. Okay. He kills them. He goes around at night killing <clears throat> them by driving stakes into their hearts. Right. <clears throat> and he sometimes finds that because they can't go out at, in the daytime, yeah. um, he's able to sort of do experiments on them <clears throat> and try and find. He's trying to find a, an answer. He's trying to right. find a cure. Right. Yeah. Um, but he realizes that because he keeps getting inconsistent results, he hypothesizes that there are actually two types of survivors. There's the survivors that are actually still alive and they contracted the disease, but they're still living, but they have all these symptoms. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then there's the group that are actually, were dead, but they've come back to life, more like a zombie. Oh, okay. Okay, Okay. so after a while of this, and I'm really skipping through the book, but he does encounter a woman named Ruth, who at first he's not sure if she's undead or the vampire type or if she's actually yeah. a human like him that hasn't right. turned. Yeah. So he talks to her and he gets her to agree to um, kind of come with him. And eventually she reveals that, uh, no, she is she is one of these vampire types. Yeah. She says that actually we're finding a new 
society. We're trying to adapt to our symptoms and actually we're working on a way to like a sort of a medicine to keep those right. symptoms at bay. So we're not, we can go out in the daytime right. and we're not going to be sort of having him this bloodlust. So yeah, we yeah, won't right. be violent. We're trying to pull ourselves back to a kind of a, be more civil, if yeah, you right. will. Yeah. Okay. But what she does reveal is she says the ones that were the zombies, the undead type, they are really truly violent and they okay. will come and they want to kill Robert Neville. Right. And there's nothing she can really do to help. Right. Now, eventually he is captured by the other vampires, like Ruth's peers. Yeah. And she isn't, even though she's kind of high up in, in the in the group, yeah. she can't really convince them to let him go. Right. Okay. okay. Because throughout the book, throughout the story, he's been going around at night killing them all. Right. right. So they basically <laughs> see him Tough as case. they see yeah. him as the enemy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he realizes this as well that, you know, he's his his odds are pretty much against him here and she comes to see him one more time and says basically I have some essentially cyanide for you and right. you should take the this pill and uh, otherwise you're going to have a kind of a brutal death right, right. right. and so he decides to do it so <clears throat> the book kind of ends spoiler but whatever yeah. he looks out of his cell and he sees all these people kind of looking back at him they're all full of anger yeah. and he realizes that after his death yeah. he will be a legend to this new society that's coming forward oh yeah okay okay and that They'll see him as the, basically the vampire of their world because right. he was preying on them yeah, yeah, yeah. like a vampire right. might prey on oh, us. So he'll be like a, that's the twist. He'll be like a, 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 a monster fable. kind of legend. Yeah. A fable. Yeah. yeah a, fable. Legend. A, legend. a legend. A legend. He'll be, a, like like a, he realizes that I am legend. <gasps> yes. <gasps> that's the name of the book. I am legend. <laughs> now the, the funny thing is that, you know, he... I don't think the book really explains so this difference between the vampire type and the zombie type. Right. I think the book pretty much ends with the zombie type still existing. Like they're right. not eradicated. Yeah, so yeah. this new society that's, whether they try and become more just and more civil, that's yeah. all well and good. Yeah. And they might fear uh, Robert Neville as, as the legend or whatever, but yeah. they'll still have to deal with this <laughs> zombie problem. Yeah. But anyway... That's for the sequel that never was made. Bit of a problem. Yeah. So I actually, I, I read, uh, I only, full disclosure, I only, I only got halfway through because I ran out of time, but mm. I read a bunch of the book and I think that that society, they still go after like the zombie type. Like they, right, okay. they, they like, they're trying to eradicate the zombies too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're trying to like build did, their own society around Did it. they no. specify how the pandemic started? Uh, I Bats don't know and the, mosquitoes. Ah, okay. 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 And I'll talk about that a bit. So the way we did it is that we each took one of the interpretations of yeah. the, of one of the movie versions of that. Okay. So the first one that was made is called Last Man on Earth. Okay. And I felt it important to disambiguate it from another Last Man on Earth. <laughs> so the movie came out, the one that I'm going to talk about is 1964. There was a Last Man on Earth released in 1924. I'm just going to read you the summary from IMDb. Okay. Just, okay. <laughs> just to get out of the way. Yeah. <clears throat> In the future year of 1940, a young man is rejected and humiliated by a girl and goes off to be a hermit in a redwood forest. By 1950, a dreadful plague of, quote, masculitis has killed every male over the age of puberty, but our hermit hero. He's become a national treasure and millions of man-starved females crave him, yet he still wants the gal who wouldn't have him. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit different in tone. Was this even a talking? <laughs> 20, yeah, I guess so. It might, might not have been. Might not have been. Might have been right on the cusp. Might have been. But uh, different time. 
Mm. Uh, different yeah, time. In the 60s, so. we're talking about like post-apocalypse. And in 1924, we're worried about being the last. He's, he's going to get that gal. Yeah, though. he's going to get her. <laughs> he's going to get her. I thought I'd start off by talking about the star of the 1964 Last Man on Earth, Vincent Price, because he's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know him. Oh, so yeah. he was born in St. Louis, Missouri in 1911. And he's the youngest of four. His grandfather was Clarence Price, mm. who invented Dr. Price's baking powder. <laughs> Sounds like a health tonic. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Sold from the back of a cart exactly. pulled by a mule. <laughs> yep. Maybe that means that he's not necessarily like a struggling actor from the like succeed or starve kind of stock. Right. But he was also a descendant of Peregrine White, who was the first baby born on the Mayflower, which what? was a ship carrying pilgrims to the New World in 1620. Wow. About 40 years after Roanoke. Yeah. Which we have an episode on, so check that out. Check that out. Uh, which is kind of, uh, I thought that was a neat kind of like, oh, you're a descendant, but that's like 13 generations ago, so. It, it, yeah. Okay. Interesting lineage. Yeah. I guess we're all descendants of Something. someone somewhere. Some remarkable yeah. anyway. thing. So he, Vincent Price, got a degree in English and art history from Yale in 1933. He wrote for the campus humor magazine, The Yale Record, which I thought was interesting because he later goes on to become an horror, a horror icon. And you kind of see that happening more and more. Like I'm thinking specifically of Jordan Peele. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he was hilarious. And now he's, he's done like two of the best horror, modern horror movies. Right. So a lot of, a lot of horror comes from people that are maybe like. Well, I think there's some. It's commonalities. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's hopefully, f- if you're listening to this podcast, you get those commonalities. I think we know a bit about <laughs> that. It's funny that he's American, eh? Yeah. He's, I know he's, he's not British, but he's yeah. got... He's British. Some, he's British. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, well, British. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Yeah. Yeah. So he started acting in 1936. He appeared as Prince Albert in the play Victoria Regina. I have a sidebar on Prince Albert, but I feel like we're all going to be talking forever. So I'm probably just going to skip. Piercing. A penis piercing? Yep. Yep. Sidebar ended. Okay. <laughs> so early films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you if you don't know what we just talked about, just look up the Prince Albert piercing. Not Everyone knows at work. Is. Don't look at it. Don't, N- <laughs> don't do it. NS. <laughs> so uh, early films. He started, um, <clears throat> his first role, role was in Service Deluxe in 1938. Okay. But a woman who runs an agency to help rich people run their lives. <laughs> Again, different time oh, yeah. in movies the movies. You just want to go see people be rich for oh, yeah. an hour. <laughs> go to the pictures. Then he started in a mixed bag of dramas and comedies. He voiced a crime fighter, Simon Templar, in the radio version of The Saint, which mm. is the same like 40 years before Val Kilmer was The Saint. Right, right. <laughs> oh, and here's another little connection to another thing that we're going to talk about in a minute. Okay. So he played Baca, a master builder in The Ten Commandments in 1956, which ah, starred Charlton Heston. Chuck Heston. Which will come up again. And then he started a pillar in thrillers in the 50s, and in the 60s, he kind of cemented himself as a horror icon with a series yeah. of classics based on Edgar Allan Poe stories. He was, in, he was in House of Usher, Pit in the Pendulum, Tales of Terror, The Comedy of Terrors. We get it. You're into horror. Terror. <laughs> uh, the Raven, The Mask of the Red Death, and The Tomb of Ligeia. Ligeia? Legea. Anyway. You were right every time. Sweet. And that brings us, so that was the last one was in 1964, which brings us to The Last Man on Earth. Okay. At that point, he's like, hey, agent, you got anything that was written this century? <laughs> Can I do a play? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Wait, what year did uh, Last Man on Earth come out? 1964. Okay. So a couple of years later, he's on the Batman series. Oh, yeah, right. The Adam West yeah. series is Egghead. Yeah. Really? Yeah. A villain who, he's wearing like a bald cap. Yeah. And all his crimes involve egg puns. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just so bad. It's awful. I'm guessing they didn't pull that character from the DC. Oh, maybe they did. I don't think so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Made for the show. She was not to be Christopher Nolan ones. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Might be in the Robert Pattinson ones. But also, let's not, before we move on from Vincent Price, let's not forget that uh, he's the one thing that he might be best known for. for Edward Scissorhands? No. Oh. The thriller video? Thriller. The thriller. <laughs> the thriller. In 1982, he was a narrator in Michael Jackson's thriller. And yeah. the hilarious House of Frightenstein. Oh, okay. It was a Saturday morning TV show really? made in Hamilton, I think. Oh, okay. With like, it was like a goofy take on vampires and werewolves. And so oh, cool. He was sort of this narrator. Right. And you would talk in his voice and right, right. say weird stuff. It was cool. It was okay, really cool. cool. Yeah. And I like, uh, I remember this just, kind of, this isn't in my notes, but I just remember that for a long time and like when Facebook was first a thing, you could put like your favorite quotes. Right. And one of my favorite quotes, which I guess still kind of is, is he, I think once said, a man who limits his interests limits his life, hmm. which I thought was, I like that. Yeah. Kind of taking that to heart, which is why I like too many things and I'm interested in <laughs> He took that really to heart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Quick sidebar on horror in the 1960s. I feel like that's going to set maybe the stage for the stuff we're going to talk about too and see how it evolved from there. Sure. So it kind of saw an uptick in the 60s. It definitely wasn't invented in the 60s. It's basically been around since the dawn of cinema. I think I did some research and like the first ever horror movie was in 1896. Oh, wow. Called uh, Le Manoir du Diable, uh, which was a French production. And like you can find it on YouTube and it's kind of ridiculous, but it's basically like, a story of Mephistopheles and it's like four minutes long. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but then, so by the 1960s, the post-World War II economic boom had kind of slowed and you had dealt with things like nuclear war mm. because after the, and this is coming from research from another upcoming episode that we're going to be doing. You had this period of time between 1949 and, or 1945 and 1949 when the U.S. was like the only nuclear superpower. And then, you know, Russia threw their hat into the fray and then you're worried about being eradicated in a nuclear war for a long time. But then that didn't happen. So you kind of start easing back a little bit. So in the 60s, you had peace and love. But as the decade progressed, as we've heard, people kind of started to get burnt out. If you want to listen to our Woodstock 99, episode seven, we talk about that. And more importantly, the Altamont Free Concert. (laughs) Little bit Maitreya Kali, the Tragedy Tuesday. Yeah, there's a lot of that. People kind of start getting burnt out in the 60s. There's a quote that says, like, in horror, every decade gets their mon- gets the monster it deserves. I'm sure we've uh-huh. heard about that. So, like, <laughs> you'd have, like, you know, vampires and mummies and stuff. And now we've got zombies. In the 1960s was kind of a shift where the monsters became people more and more. Like, like you, the misunderstood... Uh, kind of, because yeah. it's kind of exemplified in Last Man Alive, because, like we heard, like, there's vampires, but the real monster... Right. Is man himself, mm-hmm. right? And you get that exemplified a little bit in movies like Psycho, where it's just a guy. Yeah. A little bit in Rosemary's Baby. It ends up being a cult, but it's still, like, people. Yeah. And Last Man on Earth. Vincent Price used this era to kind of establish himself as the horde legend, like we talked about, with the help of writer-director Roger Corman who's actually still kind of active. Right. So he cranked out a series of low budget, but popular horror movies. So he'd like, uh, he'd shoot these movies in like five days and reuse the sets. Oh, nice. All those ones I named like House of Usher and like The Raven and all that. Those were like two to five day productions, (laughs) which is ridiculous. (laughs) Like now movies take at least a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to Last Man on Earth, 1964. So producer Robert Lippert had been looking for a post-apocalyptic film about The Last Man Alive for a while. And he was kind of responsible for a growing number of horror movies through the 50s and 60s. And he bought the rights to this movie from Hammer Film Production. Okay. So they were like a British horror production. Oh, yeah. They made a lot of classics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there was a little bit of false start with this, uh, with an adaptation of, sci- of a sci-fi novel called Earth Abides. 
it was kind of killed when the movie, the war, the flesh and the devil came out, which was basically the same premise. It was another kind of like last man on earth. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, the way that that's written is the world, comma, the flesh, and the devil. No comma between those two. Ooh. So if you want to go back and listen to our Oxford comma episode. Peter's never going to watch that movie. No, I'm never going to see it because I'm not <laughs> sure if it's the world, the flesh, and the devil, or if it's the world and the flesh and the devil. <laughs> anyway, Lippert came across a project called Last Man on Earth, which had been originally planned as a release by Hammer Film Productions. The British censors wouldn't allow it, so it got sold to Tippert. And like Andy mentioned, the screenplay was written by Matheson. Right. Author okay. of I Am Legend. I'm not really talk too much about the book. One thing I'm going to mention, I, I did, like I said, write a bunch of it. It's it's pretty horny. Oh, yeah? The book goes. You horny or horny? Horny. Like the within book the first, is horny. Within the first 10 pages, he's talking about his struggles after this whole like infestation. Yeah. What comes to the forefront is that at night he can't look out his front door mm. because the female vampires are like being all They're seductive. exposing themselves and yeah. stuff. Ah. Right? Yeah. And it's just like, like he keeps talking off. about like not being able to deal with the urges of man, of a man. You know what I mean? And <laughs> well, I'm like, sure. that's your first concern? <laughs> For a dude <laughs> like, as, it would be. It's kind of like telling, but it's also like telling from like an author perspective. Right. He's just like, can you imagine post-apocalypse dealing with having to jerk it all the time? He's got or the one food problem. But it's also like, <laughs> right. can, you know, it's like a couple years into this scenario, you're all alone. Yeah. These women vampires are coming by every night. Yeah. And then finally you just crack. You're like, oh, all right. Screw it. Fine. Fuck need, a vampire. <laughs> then immediately you're attacked and Dead. dismembered. And it was worth it. <laughs> this guy's got one hand on his typewriter and one down his pants. That, like maybe that would be an important like piece of plot development, but yeah, yeah, yeah. not in the first five pages. That's no. awesome. Like that's a chapter three <laughs> issue. <laughs> And like you said, so Matheson did end up working on the script, but he wasn't particularly happy about it. So mm -hmm. that's why if you look it up, the writer is credited as Logan Swanson and that he's just like, like a pen name. That's his pen name. Yeah, basically. That's a great name. Yeah. Logan. Call me Logan Swanson. <laughs> yeah. Dude, shut up. You can't make up your own nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone would be Duke. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we kind of went through the plot. Maybe I'll, I'll do the, I'll do the plot in broad strokes here. I've got notes. Right. So in the movie, Vincent Price's name is Robert Morgan. Instead of Neville. Good, so good he's living, living on his own. <laughs> you see his day to day, like making coffee, checking the boards over the windows, that kind of thing. Okay. He spends the night at home and the days. It's interesting the depiction of the zombies in the movie because they're like coherent kind of because they're stumbling around with boards and stuff so they can like use tools and they're like calling to him. So like half zombies. They're speaking. They're speaking. They're being like, Morgan, come out kind of thing. Uh, okay. Which makes it a little bit creepier. Yeah, it's mm. a little creepy that way. But it's not like yeah. it's more than like modern it's not like full on zombies right. like today where it's just like, uh, yeah, or yeah, screaming yeah. at you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that like at night he deals with that, kind of drives him crazy. In the days he's walking around staking vampires, basically finding them where they're asleep and killing them. There's like a very 60s montage of him doing it. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It's peppy music over it. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so they are vampires? Again, full on vampires. Oh, okay. Like okay. garlic, crosses, mirrors. Uh, okay. They can't like look at their own reflection kind of thing. Daylight. Yeah, I guess them. zombies wouldn't really. That was more of a seventies thing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm wondering if we're catching it like the book and the movie. You're catching that transition from like classic horror tropes to newer ones. Yeah. Well, everybody knows what a vampire is, so yeah. they, they're vampires. Vampires work. Whereas nowadays, it's, it was a plague, and they're zombies now. Yeah. Yep. Or whatever. They're infected. Yeah. So he watches a video of his, like on a projector of his wife and daughter. And they goes to a flashback to a conversation with like a coworker at his daughter's birthday party about how this plague got started mm. being like a plague being carried on the wind, quote unquote. Okay. 
interesting if, if you want to know more about plagues being carried on the wind, check out our Black Death episode. We got no shortage of that. <laughs> 13 and 14. <laughs> Turns out Morgan's a scientist. That's actually a difference from the book. I think in the book, he's like a blue collar factory worker who kind of starts doing these experiments because he's got nothing else to do. But in the oh, movie, he's, he's just, a scientist. <laughs> he's just trying stuff. Basically. It's like, well, I guess I'll poke him with what a stick. What happens if I pour this and... <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't do that. Don't do that one. Yeah. Now we know that. Okay. <laughs> so he's basically basically a scientist trying to characterize how this plague works, but he can't figure it out. Eventually his daughter gets sick and goes blind and dies, gets taken away to a pit where they're burning corpses. And that's actually a pit that shows up later in the movie where Vincent Price is burning vampire corpses. Mm. Shortly after that, his wife gets sick and dies and he carries her to a field and buries her. So I was skeptical whether this movie would actually be creepy. They didn't know how to make movies in the 60s, right? (laughs) (laughs) You think. But there was actually a thing where like he buries her in a, he comes home at night, he's having like a drink and then he hears like this whispering, let me in. Yeah. Oh. And he like goes to the front door and he sees the doorknob moving and it's it's actually kind of a creepy scene. And then he opens the door and he sees like this zombified version of his wife who had crawled out of the earth and come home. So that was was pretty freaky. Hmm. But he slams the door shut and goes away. At one point, a stray dog, like this is no longer the flashback, back to the movie. Okay. Stray dog comes by the house. That's kind of important because he discovers the stray dog and chases it down, kind of like brings it back to health but then discovers that it's also infected. Oh. <laughs> it's actually a bummer. <laughs> it's a bummer. And that's but in then, the book too, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I think it comes up in the I Am Legend. He's got oh, a dog or something. Time. But yeah, we, we'll you'll talk about that. that. But <laughs> it, was, it was tragic for like a second, but then it cuts to, he realizes the dog is infected and then it cuts to him throwing a sack with a stake in it into a hole and then burying it. <laughs> so it's just like Brutal. the dog is in this bag with a stake in it and it's just like off screen death I mean yeah, yeah it's br- it's an off screen death but then it's also like I don't know put the stake in the bag like did he put the what's the logistics of did he put the dog in the bag and then you stake it gotta let everyone know what's happening without showing this yeah, poor beast I guess anyway yeah. <clears throat> so anyway one day he's out doing his errands and he discovers a woman like in the book mm. chases her down because it's the 60s. Right. <laughs> He's like grabbing her, being like, Slaps don't you understand, because, woman? I just yeah. want to talk. Today, if there's a, like a modern version of this movie, he would just get kicked in the dick and mace and then she'd keep <laughs> yeah. running away. But anyway. So he brings her back here, brings her back to his place, realizes that she's sensitive to garlic and starts to suspect something. Right. So he catches her sneaking into another room and injecting herself with this antidote. Okay. And that's basically the serum that they've come up with to help them basically survive being sick. Okay. She kind of tells him the truth that she's from the society that have been kind of like watching him and making sure that he's not a threat, but it turns out that he is and they're coming to kill him and that he's kind of like a legend among her people for he's eradicating the them. Yeah. Right. Are there two types in this? Yeah. Okay. Seems like it. Cause she's this infected type. That's not a zombie. Okay, okay. Yeah. So she passes out because Morgan doesn't let her inject herself. When she wakes up, she discovers that he's kind of doing this transfusion thing and he ends up curing her, oh. which is kind of like one of those, oh, he can actually cure them. He's found He's a cure. figured it out. But they're still coming to kill him. She wants to go, like she wants to. Le- she wants him to let her go so he can. she can go tell her people that he's discovered a cure, but he doesn't let her because it's the 60s and men know better, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that won't work. No, I'll just let you stay here, woman. I know what to do. <laughs> so the others come after him. The squad shows up and they basically kill all the vampires and they start to chase him like 60s movie style. Sure. Like, he's like in as cars. far away from me as you are, like three feet. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, get him. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't. And anyway, so 
ultimately they chase him into a church and corner him near an altar. The mm. group, he's kind of like, so he, he calls the group of gathered homicidal, heavily armed, almost vampires, mutant freaks, which goes really well. <laughs> they, he kind of calls himself the last man. Mm. The real charmer. That's the, that's the name of the movie. That is. Uh, and then he gets impaled in the heart with an iron stake. Oops. And dies. And then the woman who's cured, by yeah. the way, she's yeah. kind of like slow. She's there and she kind of like slowly black backs out of the church. Kind of <laughs> like, yeah, you, you get him. She's yeah. like backing away. <laughs> Good thing there's nobody else that's a person yeah. here. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's basically how that movie goes. So Matheson's thought on Vincent Price was that he was miscast as the main character. Uh-huh. Not a good start. And he thought that Harrison Ford would have been a much better choice. Harrison Her- Ford. Yeah, he didn't. Harrison Ford's first movie was in 1966. So I'm not sure. Like, so yeah, maybe really that would have been interesting. Like, yeah, exactly. Also, interestingly, Charlton Heston watched this movie. Okay. This is, I'm working up to a transition well, to the well, next segue. movie. End of. He watched this movie in preparation for his own remake, which we'll talk about. And he called it uh, incredibly botched, totally unfrightening, ill-acted, sloppily written and photographed. So he wasn't a fan of The Last Man on Earth. Incredibly botched. Which is why we got his cinematic masterpiece. If in my own watching, it's not completely unwarranted, the criticism. Uh Because first of all, the stakes are pretty low in the movie. No pun intended. (laughs) Damn it! That's another one! I love puns. (laughs) and I didn't see that one. Anyway. The stakes are low because like there are certain scenes where Vincent Price gets caught off guard after sunset by the vampires. Yeah. He just kind of like pushes them away. <laughs> eh. All right. Like, okay. If you can just push them away, why are you even- What are you worried about? Just stay in, don't go out at n- night, yeah. I guess. Yeah. The movie does have one of the best laugh cries I've ever seen when he's watching that video of his mother and daughter. Okay. He like starts like laughing at the memory and then crying, but it's like a <laughs> Vincent Price laugh. Okay. Which is <laughs> upsetting already. <laughs> okay. And that's pretty much, pretty much all I had to talk about for now. So maybe I'll hand it over on that Charlton Heston note to Charlton Andy. <laughs> As he's known around town. Yeah, we call him, we call him Charlton Andy. Charlton Heston. <laughs> well, let me give you a little, just a very quick overview of him, of, of him, the man, Moses. before we go into the movie. Yeah, Moses. So and, and Moses, well, this is it. So he was born in Illinois in 1923. Okay. Went to Northwestern University, which was just outside of Chicago mm-hmm. for drama. And that's where he met his wife. Uh, they were married in 44. Okay. But then soon after he listed in the Air Force. Okay. So he did a few tours towards the end of World War II. He served as a radio operator and a gunner. Oh, Uh sweet. And then he left the military in 46 as a staff sergeant. So he was a gunner, like like in a bomber, I guess? In a bomber. We've heard about those. He was a gunner until the day he died. Well, we'll Well. get into that. (laughs) So so after the war, he, and he's back, uh, him and his wife moved to New York City. Okay. They both have sort of acting uh, interests. Yep. So he's there for a little while. He does a little moving around. I think they go to North Carolina for a bit, but- go back to New York again. Then yep. finally they realize the place to do acting is Hollywood. So they go to the, they, you know, go out to LA. So yep. in 1950, he starts his career in film. He gets his first role. Okay. And then from there, he's just kind of working his way up until he gets cast in the 10 commandments. Okay. Cecil B. DeMille's okay. uh, epic 1956 biblical, um, movie, which we've all probably seen. Co-starring Vincent Price, as we've Co-starring learned. Vincent Price. <laughs> so that was his breakout. That was his breakout. Okay. It was a huge, huge, huge hit. Yeah. 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 And you know, uh, one of the first, not one of the first, I guess, but one of the, you know, it was, it was a color movie mm. yeah. in the fifties. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. a big budget movie for yeah. that era. So big it was effects. a big hit yeah. and biblical movies were a big deal back then yeah. as well. So right. heavy subject matter, heavy subject matter. Cause that's where they were sort of getting the, the stories, you know, that's yeah. who, what were the, what were they looking toward? This was it. So yeah. a few years later, in, in fact, is when he does Ben-Hur. 
yeah, yeah, another fifty-nine. So another another biblical story. I for remember that. when I rented that with my parents. It was like two, maybe three VHSs. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with the famed uh, chariot race, of yeah, course. Yeah, That's um, awesome. Where many and people died. Where many people died. Many <laughs> horses. Yeah. And anyway, he won Best Actor for that. Actually, for Ben Hur, nice. his, role, his okay. role there. That's cool. Um, now, in the early 1960s, he had some other uh, notable movies. El Cid, in which he's a, I guess, a crusader. Oh, okay, okay. And then he does the greatest story ever told, where he's John the Baptist. So he's playing again <laughs> in that, in that <laughs> biblical story. Type guy. <laughs> so it's toward the end of the end of the 60s, though, where he, you know, they're doing few and few of these sort of biblical movies, and right. then he gets into sci-fi. So he goes right. in 1968 to Planet of the Apes, okay, uh, which of course Classic. is again a sort of an iconic, just as the Ten Commandments, I think, and Ben Hur. He was iconic in those. He was yeah. iconic in Planet of the Apes, oh, yeah. playing Taylor, the astronaut. Of course, uh, I've got a little sidebar here, yep. what I'm calling Heston in three genres. Wow. <laughs> okay. So okay. we touched on the biblical epics, <laughs> Ten Commandments, Ben-Hur, yeah. uh, later on, Greatest Story Ever Told. Yep. But then he does these kind of post-apocalypse, uh, post-apocalyptic uh, movies, yep. dystopian yep. sci-fi. Yeah. And that includes Planet of the Apes, he, yeah. uh, which of course is based on the 1963 French novel La Planète des Singes. Of course. And uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I didn't know Planet that. That's cool. Singe. Which is actually very interesting. I mean, that's almost like another um, disaster. Could a world exist where apes are in charge? Some yeah. might argue it exists right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the yeah, so he so obviously that book is uh, in 1963, translated into English, and then they make the movie Planet of the Apes <clears throat> yeah. with the iconic shot of him at the end in front of the Statue of Liberty right. and yeah. and Maybe all that. Get your stinking paws off me, you yeah. damn dirty ape! <laughs> yeah, yeah. classic. No, you stop touching me, oh. <laughs> David. He here. does he does appear <laughs> in the sequel to that, uh, which is called Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which comes oh, out yeah. in 1970. Oh, I didn't know he, and yep. uh, I will say that movie, by the way, the Beneath the Planet of the Apes, I guess it's a spoiler coming, mm -hmm. but uh, in that movie, they realize that it's not, there are other humans still alive okay. in this planet of the apes yeah. that are intelligent and they're living in kind of caverns and they, they worship a nuclear bomb. Oh. oh. And throughout the movie, Interesting. they have these kind of masks on, which are obviously, you can tell they're masks, yeah. but they're meant to look like real, like flesh color. Yeah. 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 And then towards the end of the movie, they re they take them off and yeah. they are masks and the makeup effects yeah. of this like hidden human cult. Yeah. It's actually quite like disturbing. Okay. <laughs> but as I'll get to in the Omega man, which yeah. is his, which is his take on, on the last man on earth on, yeah. on I am legend. Yeah. The makeup in that movie isn't very scary at all. Fair so enough. anyway, just keep that in mind. So sure. then he does yeah. that. And then finally he does Soylent Green yeah, a yeah. few years later, which is another of these kind of dystopian movies. Then later in the like late seventies, he's getting into, he's, becoming almost like an action star and he's getting into movies, disaster movies like Earthquake yeah. Oh, yeah. and Airport 1975. Yeah. These kind of uh, accident movies, disaster movies, yeah, basically. Like a man yeah, of action. So, uh, let's get to the movie yep. uh, because he doesn't really do much into the 90s. He's doing a little bit parts in here and cameos and that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. But yeah. he, I think he's most mostly known in his later years for being the NRA spokesman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If he's in anything, he's basically playing himself or like... Yeah, yeah, he almost became, of he kind of became a caricature, yeah. of the, uh, you know, yeah. in, in his later years, sure. unfortunately. But anyway, yeah. so the Omega Man. Okay, so the Omega Man was the second adaptation of Last Man, of, uh, sorry, I Am Legend. Yep. Right. Now, in this movie, it's important to note that right out of the gates, Richard Matheson wanted nothing to do with it. Okay. The only credit in the opening credits is based on a book by 
right. Richard Matheson. It doesn't even say the title of oh, the book. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it was produced by Walter Seltzer, who actually went on to work with Heston on Soylent Green a few years later. Okay. And it was directed by a guy named, a guy named Boris Segal, who yeah. is also like Richard Matheson himself. He was mostly in TV. So he was okay. doing a lot of whereas Matheson was doing TV writing, yeah. or Seagal up to this point had only really done TV directing. Twilight okay. Zone episodes, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Man from Uncle, a show called T-H-E Cat, <laughs> The Cat. The, okay. Right, which I didn't but know T-H-E anything about. as an acronym? As or? an acronym. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, this is a little sidebar about okay. this show, random show. It's a show from the 60s. Yeah. It's about a reformed cat burglar. Okay. Who has this new job as a bodyguard for the U.S. government for like important people. And he uses okay. his cat burglar skills in these different week by week cases. Okay. But the T-H-E. Okay. So not only is his last name cat <laughs> and he's a reformed oh, cat burglar. Okay. No, but the T-H-E is his first three names. Okay. The T. Terrence. You never know what it is. It is still T period. <laughs> so it's T period yeah. Hewitt okay. Edward okay. Cat. <laughs> uh, and in I, it, there's an episode, or there might be more than one on YouTube, and it's pretty okay. grainy footage. But anyway, in the beginning, almost like a James Bond, my name's yeah. Bond, James yeah. Bond, that kind of thing. He goes, I didn't catch your name. T H Hewitt, <laughs> T, sorry, T Hewitt Edward Cat. <laughs> T. <laughs> so. Was the T for? Yeah, T. That's what I said. Yeah, Chris is like, that's a fucked up anyway, name. That's a lot of that's a lot of names. Also, if you're a cat burglar, don't keep your name cat. <laughs> what else could I be? It's a bit on the nose. My vocation was chosen for me. I think it only lasted for a season. Yeah, anyway. I'd um, love to I just pictured the pitch meeting while you were explaining that show. Like, and his name is Cat, and he's T H and like, oh, that's gold. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The cat, but it's also T H E cat. And what does T H E mean? T Hewitt Edward. We're sold. <laughs> Talking too fast and smoking cigars. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Boris Segal, he's only done really TV, and then yeah. he gets the chance to direct Omega Man. Right. And from all I can see online, it is his one and only movie he ever did on the silver screen. Mm. Oh boy. So <laughs> maybe that's well, telling huh? you something. I don't he know. nailed it, and he was like, well, I've got nothing else to say yeah. in this. Medium. <laughs> One and done. Yeah. So the screenplay was done by a husband and wife duo, John yeah. and Joyce Corrington. Okay. Joyce actually held a PhD in chemistry. Hey. And apparently some of her background in science actually made it into the story on uh, in added a little bit of flavor. Real okay. world, real world sure. yeah, yeah. science, at least yeah. for mm-hmm. the 70s. Yeah. I think a couple of the interesting things, I'm not going to go through all the plot points, but sure. some of the big differences from this movie to The Last Man on yeah. Earth and to I Am Legend, the book. Yeah. yeah are it's not a pandemic in the sense that it's not a nuclear thing and it's not a disease that's spread from animals. It is the result of germ warfare that came. So basically the movie has some flashbacks towards the beginning and it's essentially a border war between China and the USSR that ends up bringing in other countries, including the United States eventually, and leads to germ warfare between these countries. So basically- That's the take. Right. So it's very much informed by, if you're thinking about this, comes out in 71. Yeah. It's informed by the 60s and the 70s, the Cold War. Yeah. Yeah. And there were real issues, you know, China and the USSR, both communist countries, but not, never really friends, never really allies. Yeah, yeah, right. This is kind of an, you know, imagining what could happen. And instead of nuclear war, which you'd think would be part of it, I guess they they thought, well, maybe more countries, not everyone had nukes. So at this point, maybe germ warfare might have been more the... 
Interesting. Real possibility. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, anyway. I completely forgot about that. I've seen the movie a while ago. Yeah. And in my memory, it was nuclear fallout, but I guess I completely misremembered that. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So the movie takes place in LA yeah. and, and it's shot there too. So yeah. in this version, Neville, Robert Neville, yeah. he, they use his name from the Neville. book. Okay. okay. He's a, he's not only a scientist, but he's a military scientist. Okay. And mm. it shows him again in flashback. He's working on a vaccine. Yeah. He gets a call from another, I guess, another army base or something. Yeah. And they're saying, basically, bring us the sample. Right. So he gets into a helicopter. <laughs> okay. And they're en route from his lab to this other lab. Yeah. And then the, the helicopter pilot starts succumbing to the symptoms. He starts right. realizing he's choking and then yeah. he's blacking out. Okay. And then the helicopter crashes. You okay. And Charlton Hest uh, Heston's character, Neville, also is at the same time for yeah. some reason, also has the symptoms coming on. Okay. But he, la he survives the crash. Yeah. He gets out of the wreckage. He pull opens the suitcase, yeah. gets the vaccine he's been working on, and he injects himself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It flash forwards a couple years. It's yeah. 1977 now. Yeah. And he's the only survivor. Okay. He's fortified himself. He's basically made like a kind of a base. Right. Um, mm -hmm. He's got this whole apartment building to himself. Mm -hmm. Now, in this one, the interesting thing is the adversaries are not vampires, okay. and they're not zombies either. Okay. They're basically just mutant humans. Oh. So they've, they're humans. They're They're... Still have their intelligence. They yeah. still they're able to talk, communicate. Okay. okay. But their symptoms are that their skin has turned kind of a grayish blue. Okay. Yeah. Their hair has gone white. Right. They're essentially almost albino in a way, yeah, and right. they their eyes have become white with tiny pupils. Okay. And they yeah. have to wear sunglasses because they can't bear any light. Yeah. Sunlight uh, right. or artificial light. Right. 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 Okay. Gotcha. okay? But yeah. otherwise, they're and this is another thing. I think another answer to the the time that the movie was done yeah. is that they refer to themselves as the family. Okay. And their leader <laughs> is a guy named Matthias uh -huh. and it's almost like a cult. Right. The so family makes me think Charles, Charles Manson, Manson immediately. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, I don't think it's, it's, you know, it's, I think it's meant to be explicit or totally. even if it's not, then it's, it's just because they're not trying to hide it. Like Manson in the news was like 68, 69. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Peak. Yeah. And it's LA. Yeah. And LA. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. right. Cool. So he's got okay. all these followers and they all wear cloaks with hoods yeah. and, and basically they taunt Neville every night. Okay. While uh, during the day he goes out. Now it shows Charlton Heston going around during the daytime yeah. and he's, it starts with him out riding around in a red convertible. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you see him kill, like he sees one of these figures. Yeah walking and he machine guns it down, but you don't really see him, unlike the other movie, yeah. you don't see him deliberately going out yeah. and killing, going on like killing sprees and stuff. Right, He's right. just kind of whatever yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, this family, uh, led by this guy, Matthias, and mm -hmm. another guy, Zachary, yeah. brother Zachary, they are leading this family, yeah. and they don't really see him as an enemy per se, like as a killer, but they see him simply as a symbol for okay. the old ways and the destructive side of technology and science that have brought this curse upon them. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. So they eventually do put him on, they capture him, they put him on trial. Yeah. They find him guilty. Okay. So Matthias says to, everyone's in a courtroom and he basically yeah. says to the, to the family members yeah. with, with Neville out in front of them, yeah. you see him as we were before the punishment, before we gain grace. You see lying there, the last of scientists, of bankers, of businessmen, mm -hmm. the users of the wheel. Mm -hmm. So they're very much against our version of society <laughs> yeah, and right. seeing that as yeah, really the yeah, whole yeah. reason for their downfall. But Basically, they don't he's even- He's the man. He's the man. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they, the man. I think the other thing is that they don't really see these mutations that they have yeah. as a bad thing. They right. see this as right. 
this Evolution. is the new society. Yeah. Yeah. This is how it's going to be now, and and we need to get rid of this guy so we can just keep living as as the way we are meant to be. Yeah. So to that, he actually says, <laughs> Neville says, you're full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Good argument. Solid yeah. defense. I don't like that damn dirty ape line. That's yeah, it's a bit like that. <laughs> so A little less impact. So <laughs> gonna, yeah, that's yeah, memorable. <laughs> they're going to go burn him at the stake. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Oh, dear. But he, this is interrupted by a woman and a man who are not mutants yeah. mm-hmm. um, rescuing him. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So it's revealed that Lisa and yeah. Dutch mm-hmm. are the two kind of adult survivors who are leading a group of mostly children mm-hmm. up outside of the city, like right. in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're all in this stage, uh, in a later state, or in a in the mutation. Yeah. It's going. It's happening, but they're so far they are still human. Yeah. Right. Except for Lisa's brother Richie, who is turning. Okay. He's really yep. he's already kind of gotten the gray blue color. Not okay. Richie. Not Richie. Oh. Over the course of the sort of second half of the movie, basically Neville realizes that because he is immune, he can use his blood to develop more of the vaccine. So it's kind of like the first movie. Yeah, because he uses blood to mm. yeah. right, and he so he starts curing Richie. Yeah, he develops a romantic relationship with Lisa, which, by the way, I was. She she's so her and her brother they're both African American yeah and this was one of the first instances of a Hollywood movie where an, a, a white and black characters yeah. have an on screen kiss oh, okay. cool. and on screen well not on screen but sure, are meant to have yeah, 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 you yeah. know to have sex that's cool so it's kind of interesting so hmm. after a while she decides they're gonna they've got the vaccine and they can make more they're gonna take the equipment they're gonna leave the city and yeah. they're gonna cure these kids and they're gonna start a new society and they're gonna forget about these mutant people. Right. Unfortunately, when she goes out to get more supplies, yeah. it just so happens coincidentally that that's when she, her mutation takes over. Oh boy. At the same time, Richie, yeah. who, even though he's now cured and yeah. he's back to being a normal human, yeah. he doesn't see the family as being evil. And he tries to go to reason with them and tell them that Neville has developed a cure. Oh and if they just listen to reason, he yeah. can bring them all back. <laughs> but because as <laughs> I mentioned, they place. don't see yep. their mutation as a bad thing. Yeah, they see right. it as a good thing. Yeah. Right. They kill Richie. Oh, okay. Mm. And then they march down the streets of LA to Neville's house. Right. Storm the apartment. Yeah. There's a big confrontation. Yeah. He Neville grabs Matthias. He escapes. Sorry, he doesn't escape yeah. with Matthias, right. but he, he uses <laughs> Matthias to kind of take some hostage yeah. and then pushes him into the group so yeah. he can he can escape. The the classic push and escape. Push and escape. <laughs> um, he makes it outside, but then that's when he sees Lisa's also has oh, now been turned. Yeah, right. He tries to reach out for her yep. and is distracted. And when he's distracted, basically Matthias throws a spear, like a javelin <laughs> okay, from nice. the third story of this apartment into yeah. his, into Neville. Okay. And he falls back into a fountain right. and dies. Okay. Okay. In the morning at dawn, yeah. Dutch, who's that other human, he, yeah. he arrives in a sort of a car with the rest of the kids. They take Lisa, who's still a turn, but now they have quantity, some, some of the vaccine vials and they go and, and they leave. And yep. that's kind of the end. Wow. And it ends with a shot of Jonathan Aston <laughs> in a, in a crucifix pose yeah. in the fountain, complete with his feet, like crossed <sighs> one over nice. the other. Okay. The imagery is, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. He can't Moses, escape the John biblical roles. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> He's brought it through. <laughs> wow. That's uh, a lot of not so subtle imagery. Though. <laughs> not so subtle. <laughs> Wow, yeah, like... So that's the Omega Man. Right, full on... In a nutshell. 
Definitely Charles Manson inspired. Definitely mm-hmm. Manson, definitely Cold War, like just definitely. very much of the times. Yeah, and especially that like like Richie trying to go reason with them. Yeah. It's like put that in place to be like, see, you can't even reason with people that think that they're right. <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing. yeah. They're yeah. just fanatics. Yeah. Interesting. But uh, also interesting mm-hmm. that you can you can almost see how they wrote that script. They had like, okay, we're going to take these milestones from the novel. Like, mm, yeah. we need them to get speared to death. <laughs> and it's also interesting, the other versions, the book and The Last Man on Earth ends with him being captured and executed. Yeah. And this one, like, it sounds like early on he's put on trial. And then the rest of the movie yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously he escapes. Turned, turned it on its head. Mm. Okay, cool. So that's the 71 version. 71, mm-hmm. 71 yep. version. Okay, cool. 2007. Yep. I Am Legend, literally the title of the book. Yeah, okay. Here we are. So, uh, I didn't do a two-hour biography on Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Well, whatever, yeah. Will Smith, Fresh Prince of (laughs) Bel-Air. That's what you're stealing. And still active. (laughs) (laughs) He's a bad boy. Bit of a bad boy. Twice. By the way, those movies don't hold up. (laughs) I tried watching Bad Boys 2. I remember loving it in theaters. Yeah. Not so much. I've never seen a bad boy. I've seen bits and pieces. Um, but I think he's a pretty solid actor. I've always I like kind of thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he really, even if it's kind of a fluff role, he yeah. tends to enliven. Like the genie in the new Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Can't comment. I will never. But I, I am no, I agree. I'm a Will Smith fan. He's enthusiastic. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I dig that. He brings something. Yeah, and not a not a stranger to sci-fi. So we've got right. iRobot. Yep. Hancock, which I love. I actually haven't seen that yet. That's a great movie. Okay. Uh, After Earth. Yep. Bright. Mm. Recently, uh, That's Gemini Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about Bright. I didn't see it. Um, didn't hear much, but uh, might be worth checking out. I don't yeah. know. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have I'm Legend directed by Francis Lawrence. Yeah. Now, this guy worked primarily exclusively in music videos. A lot of good directors start music videos. Yeah, that's true. Adventure. Adventure comes to mind. Ridley Scott. Yeah. That's including cool. videos for Will Smith. Really? Okay, cool. Um, he went on to do Constantine. Oh, yeah, okay. I Am Legend was the second film he ever did. Okay. And then he did Water for Elephants and more recently, all three Hunger Games. You know? not, not a one and done situation. No, like he's uh, <laughs> the Omega a Man. film director. Okay, yeah. I love the way this movie starts. Right away, we learn that the pandemic comes from what was supposed to be a cure for cancer. Interesting. So it starts with this cold open on a news broadcast. Yeah. And this is my second time watching the movie. And I yeah. remembered this correctly from watching the first. That it really stuck yeah. with me that not only the scientist who's being interviewed, but the, also the news anchor, there's yeah. this kind of sense of like barely restrained elation. Okay. As they're discussing this cure for cancer. Oh, okay. Just like, right, yeah. Okay. So, it, you know, this woman's talking about what they've got is an apparent 100% success rate. Yeah. where they've got 10,009 people treated, mm-hmm. 10,009 people cured. So that's good. And then, boom, cut to three years later, yeah. we see New York City in a state of <laughs> desolation. Okay, yeah. And they really did that well. Like, there's okay. cars everywhere. The vegetation is overgrown right. over everything. And that's, I thought that was very effective. I feel like that's a big difference between movies in, like, the 60s and 70s and the 2000s. Right. Like, now you can do, you couldn't do The Last Man yeah. on Earth in New York City. Because no, and apparently that, that was happened. like a big problem where they had to shut down streets and Will yeah. Smith like was personally apologizing. Right. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, because like people were like flipping him off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first even, even in Omega Man, they just shot it 
on like Sunday mornings yeah, exactly. in LA because right. nobody's downtown. Exactly. All yeah. of last like Man super on early Earth. in the morning, you know? Yeah. They, they shot last Man on earth in Italy. And most of it is really like at houses where like, it's easy to just shoot yeah. the front of the house. You don't need, you can. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I think actually for Times Square, they had to use a soundstage because like, yeah, no, nope. can't close. <laughs> right. Can we close? No. What are you nuts? <laughs> I kind of went through the meal. I'll try to touch on the, the, the broader points here. So yeah, I'm just going to go through my, you know? my notes. Yeah. I haven't, I hadn't seen Omega Man or Last Man. Or so okay. listening to both, there's a lot of similarities, particularly with Omega Man. Mm-hmm. He's still Robert Neville. Okay. Lieutenant Colonel Robert Neville, we find out. Okay. Um, so he is a scientist and a soldier. Yep. And sort of famous in some respects. Like we see a cover of Time Magazine, Time Magazine, okay. yep. with him on the cover listed as a soldier. Scientist, savior. Uh-huh. So I he's see. kind of known as the guy who's going to turn this all around. Sure, yeah. Basically, his day-to-day is him and his loyal companion, a, a German shepherd who's adorable as fuck. Mm-hmm. Certainly it survives. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dogs in movies are friends to the end. Especially this kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've got his dog, Sam. During the day, they're either looking for provisions mm-hmm. or hunting because right. there's also just deer and oh, yeah. stuff running around everywhere. So the CGI is terrible. Is it? Okay. <laughs> That's like this is after the horrific, horrible Star Wars prequels, but it even right. looks worse than that. Oh like, boy. They didn't have Lucas money, I guess. Can't even get a deer, guess. right? You can do no, a gun gun and you can't do a deer? <laughs> <laughs> so this deer, he's hunting deer and then these this family of lions comes out okay. and he's sort of, he could kill them both, but yep. then he sees the cubs and he's yeah. like no also <laughs> lions in new year i guess from the zoo, the zoo okay, i guess i don't know yeah because <laughs> when society collapsed yeah. the zoo cages fell apart exactly <laughs> <laughs> or some like that's a good point some right? near do well at the zoo we're like, like i'm gonna i'm gonna put some lions into this mix yeah maybe <laughs> it's not like it's not like the only reason the lions aren't escaping the zoo is because humans are like there with sticks keeping them in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah this exactly. is a good point at this point this Alarm goes off on his watch as the sun is setting. So it's like, it's time to book it. So he is basically this very pragmatic, very routine-based soldier. He's not like Chuck Heston. He's not running around killing these things. Like he's just trying to get equipment, get supplies, and work on a cure. Okay, yeah. At home, he's got like dozens of rats in a lab and he's trying to, you know, give them a cure based Mm -hmm. on his blood because he's also... Like Charlton Heston was immune. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's immune to both the airborne and the bloodborne. Okay, there's two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it mu- the, does it, yep. we find out it mutates. Okay. There's a few flashbacks. Well, it's actually one flashback broken into three. Okay. That she has as he's sleeping or yep. whatever, yep. or it's just his mind wanders mm-hmm. with his wife and his daughter. He's trying to get them out of New York City. We, we see that the military is they're cordoning off. Manhattan Island, basically. It's described as ground zero. Yeah, okay. He's rushing to get them out, and we just sort of see the the disease or the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's starting to spread. Later in the movie, he sort of lays it all out as to the nature of it, like how it spread. Uh, So it's called KV. So he's sort of describing it to this other character who I'll talk about later. But he's basically like, KV had a 90% kill rate, Mm -hmm. 5.4% billion people died. Oh, wow. Uh, with less than 1% immunity mm-hmm. that left 12 million healthy people. Yeah. The other 588 million mm-hmm. turned into it, what they're later called dark seekers. Okay. But they're basically zombies. Yeah. They are like the most feral version of, of human 
that you can okay. imagine. And also terrifying because they're basically zombies that run. So, so 28 days later zombie. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Their only thing is they can't go in the sunlight. Oh, they're all basically burned to death. Interesting. Okay. Fortunately, they also look like shit. Uh, CG. I remember oh, that. terrible. Being and it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so, I remember being kind of bad in 2007. Yeah. yeah. I was like, why not use makeup effects at oh. least some of the time exactly oh, practical is always better practical is always Maybe better like money. they're 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 basically cartoon characters like their yeah. jaws are opening twice the size of their mouth like it's yeah. not scary it's just yeah it's sort of a big flaw in the, the movie. premise is scary but they're... exactly basically you you see no trace of these things during the day okay um they're hiding yep his alarms goes. His alarms go off. Yeah, he gets back to his house. It's yep. his house. Yeah, this big mansion, and it's just on lockdown. Like he's got bars and big sliding doors. Yeah, and during the night, you just hear these horrible animalistic yep. sounds. Mm -hmm. That's the infected, yep. the dark seekers. Mm -hmm. We also find that he's kind of losing his mind. As, he's got mannequins yeah. placed around everywhere that he talks to. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. So he's lonely. Reminds me a little bit of the Smalls Lighthouse tragedy. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I guess we don't know if he talked to the corpse of his friend, but... We'll assume he did. He probably did. Eventually he talked to... Although I wonder if... Is that an indication of him losing his mind or is that a coping me mechanism to avoid losing his mind? True. That would yeah. be a better way to say it. I think talking to yourself is a way... Or talking to... He's you know. incredibly lonely. Yeah. So, yeah, he's sort of got these things in place to guard himself from... Yeah insanity yeah. <laughs> or whatever and then he goes to the same location every day it's down by the docks and he yep. just sends this message like i'm here i'll be here at midday mm -hmm. i've got i'm gonna save you and blah 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 yep. i'm working on a cure yep. he ends up capturing an infected woman mm -hmm. with a trap mm -hmm. so that she's like a live mm -hmm. test subject yep. he tries and he fails yep. and it looks like it's gonna work and then it doesn't so mm -hmm. he just sort of keeps her sedated and sure. in his lap yeah. that's sort of the first time we see these infected because his dog runs into a building like a dark mm -hmm. building with mm -hmm. no windows that's where they sort of hang out in the day oh. so that's kind of scary like it's yeah. he's in total darkness he's paralyzed by fear yeah. like we see this guy he's a soldier he yeah. looks like unflappable and yeah. then he's just like sweating and yeah, right. can yeah. barely walk two steps I remember him being really good in that movie like his oh, acting he's great. Is, yeah. that's what I say he's a solid actor and yeah. in this like he, I really buy it like yeah. he's so we see more of the flashback. It's the second part of the flashback yeah. with his wife and daughter. Yeah. This is when they're sort of screening people to evacuate the city. And right. they've got this eye scan. Okay. So yeah. they scan your eye. Pass, you're good. Pass, you're yeah. good. Fail. Nope. Go over there. Uh, there's a woman who's like bleeding from her eyes. Right. <laughs> like, please take my baby. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Can you imagine? No, go over there. They just step into a cage. It's like, it's completely incinerated. <laughs> you Can never you put, really like, see. like a curtain up or something? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, his wife fails the test. Oh boy. He's only really able to step in and say scanner again because yeah. he's such a high ranking yeah. dude. Yeah. They scan her again. She passes. Okay. He puts them on a helicopter and yeah. like his daughter's like, take the dog. The dog's a puppy at yeah. this point. So he yeah. takes the dog. It's this tearful goodbye. Yeah. Cut to the present. He's doing his rounds during the day. He notices, we see a mannequin he'd previously interacted with. Yeah. It's sort of like significant in his first, he's like, hey, I like your sweater yeah. and stuff. That mannequin has been moved. Okay. It's somewhere else and he freaks. So as he's just, you should. As you should, <laughs> yeah. but it's sort of, he's like, no, this is wrong, but he's yelling at it. Like, you better tell me if you're alive. <laughs> okay. So awesome. it's kind of like, yeah, it's this weird, 
there's almost a glimmer of hope. Like yeah, yeah. maybe I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah, right. It ends up being a trap. Okay. That the infected have set, which is weird because they just seem like so they're kind of conscious. They've got something going on. Yeah. So yeah. he ends up being sort of trussed. Yeah. yeah. Up, smacks his head, and he's hanging, and the dog's freaking out. He when he wakes up, uh-huh. basically sundown. Okay. So he gets out, like he f- cuts himself down, falls on his knife. He's going towards his car, and the dog basically saves him from these infected dogs mm-hmm. that the yeah. uh, dark seekers keep. Oh boy. So the dog gets bitten in what's like infamously one of the saddest uh-huh. moments in any movie where right. the dog's infected. He brings it back to the lab mm-hmm. and, you know, he's holding her and yeah. then it she turns and then he chokes yeah. her to death. And oh. That was nice to watch again. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't go with the uh, in a bag with a steak in it? No, okay. no, you get to see Hey, it well, there was no dog in my movie. So <laughs> I was, sure. was tear free. <laughs> oh, right. God. I'll watch a million people die, but if it's a dog no. or something, no. it's... Oh. No, no, no. God damn it. Dogs don't deserve it. They're they innocent. Don't. I know. <laughs> and this dog was so helpful. Yeah. So he's grief-stricken. He's... Mm-hmm kind of cracking a little more. He goes out for revenge one night. So yep. he just goes down to where he <laughs> would send his message every day down yep. where the dogs just plows into kind of like a suicide run. Right. Just yep. going to like run over as many yep. of these things as possible. They, mm-hmm. they overwhelm him. And at the last second he gets saved by mm-hmm. this woman, mm-hmm. Anna, mm-hmm. who's got a kid with her and she brings him back to his house. Like yep. in this sort of delirium, he's like, I live at, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. Main Street, whatever. She brings him back there. We find out she was on a um, a Red Cross evacuation ship mm-hmm. from San Paulo, mm-hmm. where there were five immune, including mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. She was the only one who made it. Mm-hmm. She's got this kid with her. There's no romance between them. Sure, they're just sort of. He's just like trying to figure out who she is, what she's doing. She's yeah. like, well, I'm going to, there's a, a safe colony in Vermont. That's yeah. where we're going. He's like, there's no safe colony. Right. He's just adamant. Like, no. I'm staying here. Yeah. I can fix this. Right. He's just sort of really driven that yep. he's going to turn it all around. He shows her his lab with all these test subjects mm-hmm. and you see all these pictures of infected that he had worked on. She's mm-hmm. like, my God, Robert. And he's like, God didn't do this. We did. Nice. <laughs> There's also this butterfly motif that is running through this movie. Okay. Like a couple times his daughter in the flashback is like, look, daddy, a butterfly and kind of interlaces her hands and does the little shadow puppet version. There's a butterfly flying around. Like you see it specifically when him and his dog are doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the woman in the female infected, he he captures had a, has a butterfly tattoo on her neck. Okay. So there's something with butterflies. Yeah. Rebirth. Rebirth. Yeah. Chrysalis. Or the butterfly effect. Mm. Or both. All of it. Or hiding in a cocoon until somebody finds secure. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. 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 Um, and the other thing that's that is a recurring thing is he's always playing Bob Marley, and and oh. particularly the song "Don't Worry, Everything's Gonna Be All Right." Ah, uh, okay. it's not. So he also has terrible musical taste. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I agree. No but offense he, to Bob Marley fans. Well, no, but hate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at one point he's like, "This is the best album ever," and it's Bob Marley yeah. legend. Oh. Which isn't an album; it's a compilation. Oh, okay. nice. Okay, <laughs> but, but that's kind a of a bit of a eh. yeah. But it's interesting that he's it's it's he has this weird hopeful side to him, and yeah, yeah. always like singing 
don't worry, everything's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. He has some little brainstorm that the kid is doing something and it's some, I didn't even really understand. It was something to do with ice. So he packs yeah. the female infected in ice, mm-hmm. tries this cure again, and it starts to work. Yeah. At the same time, he hears infected sort of coming on mass, like right outside. He's like, yeah. when did you bring me home? He's like, yeah. it was... And she's like, well, the sun was rising. Yeah. So basically they followed him home oh, and waited okay. and now they know where he is. So oh, he sort shit. of turns on all these floodlights. He he detonates all these bombs. Like yep. basically the perimeter of his house is yep. screwed. Yeah. Um, they're still coming in. And I didn't know this about this movie. There's two endings. I think I knew something about that. Okay. So oh, I'd yeah. only seen the first official, there's an official ending and then there's like an alternate ending. Yeah. Okay. So I watched the alternate and then I watched the official. Yeah. Um, just some low quality video on YouTube just to remind me what happened. Yeah. The official ending is the dark seekers storm the lab. He gives Anna a vial of the cure, which is his blood Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And then there's this little hatch through the lab, like an escape hatch. He's like, go, go, go. And she's like, you're coming with me. He's like, no, I'm going to stay here. Mm -hmm. Cause they're cordoned off with this like really thick glass. that in fact, he can't get through. Right. So we, he lets them escape. He opens it up. He has a grenade and he just, takes them all to hell with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Good so, way to go. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Anna and, and Ethan, the kid, uh, make it to the, there is a safe colony in Vermont. Okay. And in that way, he sort of becomes legend. Right. Different than both movies yeah, in right. the book, I'd say, where he's not legend amongst the infected. Yeah, he's right. the guy who yeah, yeah, right. cure. More of a positive legend. More of a positive <laughs> legend. The... Alternate ending, which I don't think is as good, but it's interesting, Mm -hmm. is that the reason the infected are there, and it turns out there's this sort of alpha amongst them, Mm -hmm. they want the woman back. And this is where the butterfly comes back in. Like the leader sort of makes this crude smudge on the glass that kind of looks like a butterfly. I think maybe the kid is like, butterfly. Yeah, right. Shut um, up, kid. Yeah, shut up, (laughs) kid. It's a zombie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, uh, there's one thing I forgot to mention that we see a third flashback mm. of his family getting out and mm. the helicopter they try to escape in yep. gets destroyed. So they die. Important detail. Important detail. Yeah. Shouldn't mention that. Well, anyway, it just adds to his okay. you know, Fair enough. mental state, yep. which is not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so they want this woman back and he's just like, okay. So he, he takes her out of the gurney that, yep. he, that he has her in with, and he sort of uncures her. Like he takes the okay. IV out. So she goes back to being yeah, fucked. He opens the glass and just and the the alpha guy's like basically going Rah! which yeah. just means don't kill him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> to his you know minions. Yeah, <laughs> and he sort of gives her back to this group. Like, okay. and there's this weird sort of affection between yeah them. Like they need her okay. relationship. Yeah, and they let them go. And so then it ends. And then it ends with. Robert, Anna, and Ethan driving off into the sunset to go find the safe colony, which may or may not be there. But he's got the cure. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, the, the first, first one. The right ending. They yeah. were right. <laughs> like it's the only one. The I, mean, I think the thing that all th- three movie or that original ending and the other movies and the book. Yeah. What you need to have is whoever the character is, whatever his name is, or if he's a scientist or not, he needs to die. But yeah, yeah. At the end. And he needs to be legend somehow. Yeah. Like it can't be like, can't oh, be a living Smith legend. will be a legend eventually. <laughs> yeah. No, he needs to have some kind of legendary quality. Yeah. <laughs> He's a legend because he gave us back the <laughs> our woman friend. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, so nice. Yeah. I mean, it's a neat, it's an interesting scene. There's tension, sure. but it, yeah, yeah it's just kind of, no. it's sort of like they had to shoot a happy ending. Yeah. Right? 
No, they did the right one. Yeah, they I did. I think so. Yeah. But I feel like when you're saying like he's losing his mind and stuff, that's something I didn't mention. But in Omega Man, it starts with him driving around, as I said earlier, in a red convertible. Yeah. And then he he's, goes to see, he goes to the movies okay. where he's run, running a projector on a generator so oh, he yeah, can okay. constantly watch yeah. the, actually the Woodstock movie. That they oh okay made. Oh, okay oh, that's cool <laughs> so he's watching it he's the only one in the in the theater yeah. and he's sitting there and he's like singing along and yeah. he's commenting yeah and then like because he crashes his red convertible he goes to a car dealership yeah and he's just talking to himself and it's obviously like meant to be kind of funny yeah yeah but it's also like in the context of the movie yeah you you would if it was the end of the world yeah and you thought you were completely alone why wouldn't you just talk out loud yeah no of course like he'd say stuff like. How much? And then no one would answer. Yeah. Right. Well, I can't say I'm crazy about the paint job. <laughs> <laughs> how long to get an order from the factory? Yeah. Well, would you give me? How much would you give me as a trade on my Ford? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Thanks a lot, you cheating bastard. <laughs> and then he drives away yeah. in the other car anyway. Oh, so yeah, nobody yeah. stop him. That's actually a parallel. There's a scene like that in Last Man on Earth where he has to like get a new car. And he's like talking to himself about okay. the car options. And that, I think that's another, yeah. <clears throat> Last Man on Earth had the same kind of thing where they, they focused on him being alone and his coping mechanisms. Right. Yeah. Not losing yeah. his mind. It also had a lot of 60s narration. Right. Yeah, like, I guess sure. in the 60s, it was still okay to have like voiceover narration for the duration of a movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this, I guess they didn't do that in Omega Man. No. It was more like he would talk to himself sometimes. He talks to himself but, sometimes and then eventually obviously. But the, the, the big difference is because the zombies are not zombies, they're yeah. just uh, mutated yeah. humans. They yeah. have dialect. There's one scene where they capture him and they're going to, they do the trial yeah. and they're like talking one-on-one, yeah. having conversation and it's yeah, like. Yeah, right, yeah. So there's a lot of other characters in the movie that are, inter- that he can interact yeah. with. So it yeah. feels very different, definitely than. The I Am Legend will Smith not movie. Like I mean, utterly that, alone. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. No, it's interesting. I guess different. The different depictions, like Last Man on Earth, definitely felt to me like a movie that came out of worries about nuclear war and mm. the fallout, uh-huh. and being the last person uh-huh. alive. Sounds like Omega Man's, like biological warfare. I guess they're starting to learn about bugs. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's another like Cold War e kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then interestingly, I Am Legend, it's sort like of like medicine turning, going bad. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's. Warnings it's, against it's, like it's, miracle cures. Yeah, the, the dark side of human achievement. Yeah. It's like, look what we can do. Yeah. Where they basically, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the disease mutates into rabies. Oh, okay. Okay. That's right. what it actually is. Yeah, 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 okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like 20 days later a little bit. Not unlike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rage virus. Yeah. Do I, do I have anything more to say about uh, the movies? Other than check them out? We left out a lot of detail, I think. We left out a lot of it's detail. It's a lot to cover. You know, yeah. I would think We don't want to do a three-hour podcast. No, no. I, I was... I think it would be... If people are interested, they should check them all out. Maybe sure. watch them all. But yeah. I think if you're only interested in... If you're a big Chuck Heston fan, yeah. as I was saying to you, Peter, earlier, yeah. watch... Forget about the other two movies. Watch yeah. Omega Men and then watch Soylent Green. Yeah, okay. Because they're both Charlton Heston in the lead in both, but they're very, very different takes on a kind of a similar idea, like right. a dystopian situation in this. Yeah. In Omega Men, he's completely alone, almost, well, almost completely alone. Yeah. In Soylent Green, it's the opposite. The population is overrun. Yeah. You know, global warming is, it's it's actually more in tune with 
I think today's yeah. worries, you know, Could, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the rich, you know, the super rich are holding all the wealth and they have yeah. everything and there's uh, this massive poverty and everything. Yeah. Both of those, those movies are really good and they have a very f similar kind of 70s vibe to them, which is yeah. cool soundtrack, yeah. weird, you know, interesting costumes and cars and <laughs> another big value for doing this kind of research for me is I'm kind of going back through 60s horror because mm -hmm. yeah. I only recently watched Rosemary's Baby and it was like fucking awesome. Good movie. I had no idea yeah. how good it would be. It's and nuts. like, it's right along. If you like, if you like messed up movies like Hereditary and Midsummer, you're going to be right there for Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. 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 Okay. Movie. Uh, I mean, music. So I guess maybe, maybe guest goes first. Guests first. Sure. So I've, picked uh, a song by the band Horrendous. So I'm not, like, unlike you guys, I'm not a huge metal guy, mm -hmm. but uh, this is a band that I just heard about some years ago and I really was into them. Yep. Mm -hmm. This album in particular, Anaretta, which is on Dark Descent Records, came out, I think, in 2015. Mm -hmm. Kind of classic metal, really guitar-driven, but it's, to me anyway, as, as, again, a kind of a casual metal fan, it's, it's really approachable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And anyway, the song I picked is called Acolytes. Yep. So that kind of works in two ways. One, because of this cult in Omega right. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but right. more so, the song just has, it has a really um, pulsing, like, first half, and then it goes into this second half where it's more of an instrumental kind of outro. Huh. And there's one point where the singer just lets out this really guttural yell, right. and then it kicks into just guitars and, and drums and bass. And uh, I feel like if I was the last man on Earth, yeah. it would be a perfect <laughs> song to either be fending off hordes of yeah. monsters or undead <laughs> or mutants or whatever or if not doing that then just driving around like Chuck Heston was just shooting things and <laughs> talking to yourself and yeah, you know, at the moon. driving as fast as you can on yeah. the highway yeah so that's a song sweet you probably heard a bunch of it good one uh, maybe I'll go or yep. you want to go I'll oh. go for it okay I'll go for me it's a band that I kind of came across recently called Omega Massive. Oh, okay. Um, oh. They're kind of like a G uh, German sludge doom kind of blackish instrumental hmm. metal band. Okay. Uh, so the album is Carpathia from 2011, and the song is Aura. And it's kind of actually similar reasons to what Andy was saying. It's kind of dark and brooding and heavy and kind of, it's got like this pulsating driving beat but then about halfway through it kind of drops out into like a similar kind of instrumental sort of hollow but still has that dark undertone yeah and again like very similar kind of read maybe not the the rage element of yeah. <laughs> going on a zombie rampage <laughs> <laughs> but more like it's dark and broody and heavy but empty at the same time and also i guess the album name carpathia made me think of vampires okay because carpathia isn't dracula from carpathian Mountains. Uh, anyway, so that that was that's that. Yeah, that's my song. Good one. You one probably heard a bunch. Both of those just out. now. Mm -hmm. And Lee, to round us out. Okay. Well, mine's a, mine is very much on the nose, as mm -hmm. I find a lot of my choices are. But there's uh, interesting fact about I Am Legend mm -hmm. is all the uh, creature vocal mm -hmm. effects or sounds were done by uh, Mike Patton. Okay who's a vocalist for Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, Phantomus. Oh, yeah. And uh, the funny thing is I never would have guessed. Like it, it doesn't sound like him at all, which is mm. interesting because he also did all the zombie sound effects in uh, the first Left 4 Dead. Oh, cool. Okay. And uh, I knew it before I, I instantly, like I heard it and I was like, that's got to be Mike Patton. Really? And okay. Sure enough. Okay, cool. Um, 
But yeah, so the music I picked is is from a, a solo album he did in 94 or 95. It's called Adult Themes for Voice. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he brought a four-track recorder with him on tour when he was touring, I'm assuming with Faith No More, and every mm-hmm. night in a hotel room, he'd just make these... It's it's honestly one of the strangest records you overhear. Like <laughs> okay. it's this sound collage kind of disgusting, weird, yeah. zany. <laughs> you know that's what I love for a band. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, I love. So the song I picked is called Porno Holocaust, and it's just awesome because it's recorded on a four track. It's very harsh. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it's just like pulsing yep. in your ear, but it's. A human voice sounding not very much like a human voice. Right. It's it just sounds guttural and weird. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I come back to this album a lot. So okay. uh, yeah, check it out. Sweet. You probably heard all of it just now. Yeah, or a bunch of it. Probably all of it. So yeah, that was that's our episode on uh, the last men on earth. Film fiasco number two. Film fiasco number two. Vincent Price, Charlton Heston, and Will Smith, the last men on earth. (laughs) (laughs) What a weird group. (laughs) Yeah. Those three together could do some damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So thanks for for tuning in. If you want to help us out, like I said, the best thing you can do is uh, tell a friend, get them to listen. That'd be fantastic. Leave us a review. Subscribe if you aren't already. That'd be great. You can check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at This Disaster Pod. You can check out our website, thisdisasterpod.com. And next time... We're going to start glowing in the dark in the former Soviet Union. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. So tune in for those. And, I'm sorry, what? Shameless plug. Yeah. You can catch Andy and myself on a, our YouTube channel called Try All and Error. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look up Try All and Error. How do you, how do you say that? Try, try All and all Error. And try All and Error. error. Oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Try All. Yeah. Just you enunciated very well. So Thank you. It's a very funny YouTube series. Uh, Mike, our friend, Lee and I, trying foods for the very first time. Yeah. Hijinks and hilarity. (laughs) Take the energy down, guys, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, no, check it out. It's a a hilarious channel. You can find that on YouTube. And uh, join us for our next disaster. And thanks for joining us, Andy. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Bye. Bye.